Amen. I just want to pray to that again. Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you have not left us to figure life on our own, figure out life on our own. But you have given us direction. You have given us, we don't see the end of the road sometimes. We don't see the turns. But we actually do see the end of our journey. We do see glory. We do see that there is victory already pronounced while, while we're here. The end of the book declares us victorious. And so I thank you. I pray that this morning you would just bless everybody that's logged in, that's tuned in, that you'd bless all of us. I pray that you would, your anointing would just come upon, upon every person, Lord, every person that's serving today. Your anointing would come upon those that are listening. I pray that your word would be clear in their hearts and minds of everyone. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you again this Sunday. Uh, if you weren't here for the beginning of, uh, of this service, my name is Shem Uzele. I'm one of the pastors here at CC Delco, Calvary Chapel. And uh, I will be sharing this morning from scriptures that have been bubbling in my heart uh, for this past week or so. But but I, I, I need to say this, it's, it's kind of interesting to be talking to people that I cannot see. Uh, it's even stranger to be talking to people that I cannot hear. So I may have to pretend that you're actually sitting in the room and I'm getting nods of affirmation every once in a while. I'm, getting, I'm hearing a, a few amens here and there and maybe a little hand clap. Maybe I'll even take, you know, a drawback of your head turned a little bit with a frown like I doubt what you're saying is true. I'll take that. So I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be doing that as I, as I talk this morning. If you see me spanning, it's because I'm just imagining you guys sitting here and listening. But I'll stay focused to the lens uh, of the camera. Um, so uh, I just want to share that I, I really feel privileged to be able to open God's word with you this morning. I know uh, that most of you are already convinced, but the Bible says that the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Psalm 119 verse 89 says that. It's forever settled in heaven. The Hebrew word for settled is stationed. It's fast, it's stationed. The word of God given to mankind on earth is stationed in heaven. I find that fascinating. Jesus himself said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away because it is stationed in heaven. It's sealed there. When I applied for U.S. citizenship, a few years ago, one of the things we had to learn was the, the history of the U.S. And going through that and the government system, we learned about the Constitution. And uh, one thing I learned about the Constitution was that it was called a living document. The U.S. Constitution is a living document because it can be amended, because it can be altered to fit the time changes and the times that we have. And I found it interesting because 
that is, a, that is a good thing. The Bible is also, the Word of God is also called a living document. But it is a living document unlike any constitution in this world. It's a living document because it actually changes the person that pays attention to it. That's the difference. And so this morning I want us to look at a living document that is settled fast in heaven. A living document given to us on how to live life on earth. The psalmist says some very interesting things about about the word of God. He says this. He says it's perfect, it's sure, it's right, it's pure, it's clean, it's true, it's righteous, it's desirable, and it's sweet. It's everything you and I long for and even spend money to get. We want something that's pure, we want something that's sure, we want something that's right, we want something that's pure, we want something that's clean, we want something that's true. We want something that's righteous, meaning something that's upright, not crooked. It's upright, integrity. We want something that's desirable. We want something that's sweet. The psalmist says that all these, the word of God, he calls it the law of God. All these things the law of God is. And, uh, and it's free. For a depleted soul, we need a perfect, wholesome Word of God to restore the soul. For a mind that is gullible, the word of God is trustworthy. For spiritual eyes that cannot see and cannot discern where you're going, the word of God is pure and it enlightens the eyes. For longevity, the word of God is said to endure forever. God values it so highly, he says it's to be desired more than gold, even much fine gold. That's how God sees it. If life is bland, if your heart is bland, it's sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Why is this critical on our day, today? I believe that the Holy Spirit in moving men and to pen the scriptures anticipated every possible human need for all human existence. I believe the word of God is that to us today. Pastor John mentioned something about we got to look back to inform the present. And that's what we're going to be doing here this morning. Look at, look at what the scripture says in the past. It's been passed down for us for all time. Look at what it says in the past to inform our present situation, no matter what it is. The scriptures have a way of actually shining brightest when things get really dark. We're living in uncharted times. We have never been through this before. We're looking for answers. It's dark. It's dark. And, uh, and it's fearful for a lot of us. We've been forced to distance ourselves for good reasons. We're faced with an unfamiliar enemy a pestilence stalking. It's fearful. The whole world is under its unforgiving sway. It just seems like the whole world has been affected. Systems have changed everywhere. Structures have changed. Structures that were intact have been challenged. Everything has been challenged. It's amazing. This unseen pestilence has changed our lives. 
today. The reason you're sitting behind a screen right now is because of COVID-19 and fellowshipping with the Hasiyah Church. It's very different. Someone said, we may not contract coronavirus, but a lot of us have already ingested the fear that surrounds it. COVID-19 may not be in our homes, but the fear of it has already taken residence in many homes. Our homes, maybe your home doesn't feel safe anymore. Where's a safe place? Maybe it's not safe anymore. We're doing things to our homes that we never did before. We're cleaning like crazy. We touch anything, you have to clean. We're disinfecting everything as much as we can. So personally, and with others that I've been praying with, I've really asked the Lord to just take this thing away. Just take it away, God. I mean, you said ask and you shall receive. We ask that you take this thing away. But along with that, I've been asking the Lord to give us a voice of direction. Give me personally a voice of direction and give the congregation and give everybody just a voice of direction as we sit in this. And uh, I woke up one morning and this phrase bubbled up in my heart. Basically, it's the phrase that says, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. I did not know how to process that. I did not even know that it had anything to do with what, with what we're facing. But as I kept processing it and thinking about it and reading about it, I, uh, I, I, I'm, the Lord taught me some very interesting things. These words are from Psalm 90. Psalm chapter 90 it's uh, probably the only psalm that was written by Moses in the book of Psalms. And uh, it was written by Moses. The apostle Peter actually uses it to encourage his listeners during their day as they were going through a different kind of virus. It was a virus that came into the church that challenged their wholesome thinking. And the way the apostle Peter puts it, he says, he says but beloved... Do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Peter here is quoting Moses, the man of God. This is his reference. Let me say a little bit about, about what, what preceded the writing of this by Moses. Uh, it, it was probably written... A lot of scholars believe it was probably written around the time of the book of Numbers, chapter 20. The book of Numbers, chapter 20, in the book of Numbers, chapter 20, you see that the congregation of Israel that was delivered from Egypt had reached a desert place called Kadesh in the wilderness of, of Zin, I believe. And they were there. And uh, so Moses is well advanced in age. He's almost 120 years old. He died at 120. Here, at this point, he's almost 120 years old. And they came to Kadesh, and uh, Miriam, the sister of Moses, died there. And shortly after, God told Moses 
prepare your brother, your older brother Aaron, because he's going to be, he's going to go the way of all the earth too. Meaning he's going to, I'm going to take him. He will die. And so two very important people in Moses' life were taken there. But before all this, Moses had already seen so many plagues. He had already seen a whole generation of people die in the, in the wilderness wanderings. Moses, he had already seen plagues, not only in Egypt, but even within his own camp in Israel. There were deaths, plagues. He saw so many horrors. And so at about close to 120, he pens this. Let's listen to the words of a man who has seen more plagues and pestilences than any one of us. This is what he says. This is like, this is the final analysis. He says, Lord, Psalm 90 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like sleep. In the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. In the evening, it's cut down and withers. Moses was a prophet unlike any other prophet. The Bible tells us that that he heard from God, not in visions like other prophets, not in visions and dreams or perceptions, but that God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to the friend. That's, that was the interaction of, of Moses. And so what he says here to us is drawn from a very intimate relationship with God himself, the almighty God. So there's a few things that Moses would have us know today that, that I, I believe will encourage us. First thing is when you look at the beginning of that, that Psalm 90, he says that the Lord is our dwelling place. He's our dwelling place. Moses would have us know that. I always found that to be interesting. How can God be a dwelling place? How can he be a place? How can he be a house? But this is what Moses says about him. That that's, that's who he is. He's our dwelling place. He's our house. There's no one in God's camp that's homeless. There's no one in the life of God that's homeless because God is our dwelling place. This has been God's desire, even from, if you read the psalm, even from before the mountains were birthed, even from before the earth was formed, God's desire was that he would be a dwelling place for the people that he created. It's amazing. And uh, the other thing about it, too, it says that it was from everlasting to everlasting. This was God's desire from everlasting to everlasting. In the Hebrew, the everlasting meaning from vanishing point to vanishing point. Right from, and even beyond vanishing point. God has always desired, God is always a dwelling place for his people. And so, we were created to live in him. 
Think about that for a minute. We're created to make him our home. Jesus said that I will not leave you comfortless. He told the disciples that. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Moses saw saw this throughout the 40 years of wanderings and living in tents in the wilderness. If you're fearful, the Bible says that you have a refuge in God. The word dwelling place also means a refuge. You have a refuge in God, but it's almost impossible to change your emotions of fear. I'm going to submit that whenever I've tried to change my emotions of fear, I have failed every time until I think differently or better still, until I know differently. And this is, this, is, this is what Moses wants you to know. This is what Moses would have us know. That if we're fearful, that we need to know that there's a place of refuge now and that God is that place of refuge for us. He's our comfort. Just dwelling on that thought comforted me. Just dwelling on that thought comforted me with all the news, with all the fear, with all the scare that's going on. That comforted me. The second thing Moses would have us know is that we need to see that our lives are transient and that they're very brief. He says a thousand years to you is like a watch in the night. A thousand years is a long, long time for man. It's a long, long, I can't even fathom it. But to God, it's actually a day. It's, according to, to the psalmist here, it's actually just a watch in the night. It's just a section of a night. How is that supposed to comfort me? How is that supposed to comfort you? I've been asking God about that. And this is what he's given me. Well, I, I, will, I, will, I will answer that by looking at verse 12 of the same psalm. Psalms are composite psalms. They have to be read incomplete. They have to be put in the, comp- in the context of every, everything that's said within it. So verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. This is the application of this. This, I believe, is the application for this. The Lord wants us to have an accurate view of our smallness. Not the kind of smallness where you're beating yourself. It's not that. It's to have an accurate view that you're actually small and that your life is very brief. And he says, take account of that and give it to the Lord. Take account of your brief life and give it to the Lord. When we do this, this is where infinity and finiteness come together. It's in humility. It takes humility to actually see yourself as small. It takes humility to see yourself as weak. It takes humility to have an accurate view of yourself. The Bible wants us to take stock and actually see how small we are. Because when we do that, we're actually opening ourselves to the magnitude of God. 
That's the beauty of this. Teach us to number our days that we might present to you a heart of wisdom. This is where David, David would say, in the presence of God, one day is better than a thousand other places. This is what infinity can do to us. This is what the divine, this is what God can do to our day if we offer it to him. When we offer our day to him, he can multiply it a thousandfold. And that's, I believe, what he's trying to teach me. That's what he's trying to teach, I believe, all of us. That during this time of social distancing, during these times where there's not much interaction with with many people physically, God wants you to steal away and hang with him. Literally, steal away and hang with him. Isolate yourself with him that he might multiply your time with him. I believe he wants to do that. And when there's just something about when, 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 when immensity, when we see God, as we just sang, when we see his majesty, everything else pales. Everything else pales. That's, that's the comfort that we've been offered. Behold the majesty of God. When I began to get some clarity about that scripture, I started, I decided that I would share it with some of the people that we were originally scheduled to lead worship with this Sunday. And uh, I told them it first felt like a sense of a door placed in front of me with very limited or almost no access to things and places that I would run to for enjoyment. It just felt like that. But in another sense, because of the limitation, I was able to see another door through the word of God with greater clarity. And this is just, I'm just sharing my experience here. It was a wide open door to another place, a limitless place. It was like a sea, so to speak, in which are innumerable teeming things a real place. I started to see, as David said, I have seen a limit to all perfection. I started to see that there is a limit to every structure, every system, everything that we've set up for our good. I started to see that there's a limit to all of them. David saw that. I started to see that there's a limit to all of them. But then David says that he also saw that God's word was exceedingly broad. We're being called to actually see that. We're being called to see that the word of God is exceedingly broad. And it speaks to every circumstance that we face. Let me repeat. The dwelling place of God has always been from everlasting to everlasting. The dwelling place of God is for us today. God, if we come in humility, the almighty God embraces humility. He embraces those who would number their days and seek to spend their days in his presence. 
So one of the practical things that the Lord started working with me after I was comforted by these scriptures, I started saying, okay, God, now what, what, what do I do? And this is going to be the next two minutes here. I'm just going to share briefly. Uh, I was brought back to Jesus' darkest hour. He was about to be betrayed. He was already sold for 33 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. And uh, he was going to face abandonment like none of us know. He was going to face that. Deep, deep darkness was awaiting him. And uh, on the night that he was betrayed, he got up and he washed the disciples' feet. He got up and washed the disciples' feet. He did the work of the lowest servant to clean the disciples' feet. And uh, I started looking at that and I started thinking, wow, I would want to be served if I was facing that. I would want people to come around me and embrace me. And it is right to do that when somebody is in their dark days. But I would want that if I was facing that. But our Lord Jesus Christ instead picked up a towel, picked up a basin and started washing the disciples' feet. It was so radically counterintuitive, so radically counterintuitive. He did that for us on his darkest hour. And then the darkness, amazing darkness. Up to that point, he prayed to God as a father. Father, if you'll take this cup from me. You know, sweating drops of blood. He prayed with, with deep, 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 deep agony. And then he goes to the cross. He's butchered. We won't even get into that. He's basically just marred beyond recognition, beyond anything. It's hard to imagine a man doing what he did a few hours ago. Knowing that he was going to face such brutality. So he gets marred beyond recognition. And then, that's not even enough. As he dies, this is the first time he calls the Father God. He says, God, God, why have you forsaken me? God, very dark. We're not privy to that kind of torture. We're not privy to that kind of darkness. Personally, I believe he endured the equivalent of eternity of God's wrath. I believe he endured it those three hours on the cross. Here's my point. We've been called to the kind of victory. We've been called to the kind of heart that Jesus has. So we've been called to wash, very simple, we've been called to wash each other's feet. Obviously, we cannot go into people's houses and say, hey, I want to wash your feet. We cannot do that because we are supposed to be in isolation. But there's ways to clean one another's feet that doesn't involve picking a basin and a towel and knocking on somebody's door. There's a way to do that. And I said, God, how can I do that? And he started putting on me just 
to start just praying for people, to just sit down and just and just wait on him to download a person in my head and just start praying for them. You will not believe the number of people that came to my head that I was able to pray for with weeping and really enter into the presence of God. I felt my prayer, I felt like God began to deposit to a certain degree, this is what I feel for mankind. He started doing that in my heart. I felt like he softened me through the whole thing. And here's another thing too. He started showing me that you can call somebody and give them a word of encouragement. You can call somebody, you can write a letter to somebody and say, hey, I've been thinking about you and I'm very joyful to be your friend. Whatever word of encouragement, this is the season for that. This is the season to build one another up as believers because I believe we've been called to the forefront of doing good in spite of the evil that surrounds us. We've been called to that. And more and more, I'm just praying, God, just open up more doors. Show us how we can actually minister to people in their time of fear and pain and bring the life and the love of Christ to them. So I'm going to pray. And uh, Lord, I just thank you. I just want to pray. I feel specifically, I just want to pray I know that the coronavirus is really dangerously effective on people that already have compromised health, that already cannot even breathe right, that may be in ventilators right now. Lord, I, I can think of people right now who are having struggling, struggling with breathing. Lord, I do pray for them. I do pray for them. I thank you that you care. I thank you that you see. I pray that you would relieve them. I pray that you'd bring healing. I pray that you would touch them in however way you touch us, God. I pray that you would touch them and minister healing to them. And uh, I pray that they would have a sense of you doing it all, Lord. I know a lot of times, Lord, you healed people like the blind man and he didn't even know who healed them. But Lord, I just pray that they would recognize that your hand did this. I pray that, again, I just pray with, with the whole congregation here that you would bring an end to this. And in the meantime, I pray that we would be stronger for it. We give you our days in these confinement. We give you those days to you. As five loaves offered to feed 5,000, we give our days to you, and we know you can multiply it. We pray that you'd multiply it. Encourage every heart. Lift up every head. In Jesus' name, amen.